Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we rejoice in you and give thanks to you that we can gather as a congregation. We thank you for the praises that we are able to sing together, the awesomeness of it, together with the saints, O God, and to give praise and worship to you. It's a goodness to the heart, to the soul, to the mind. And Lord, I just ask and pray that all the worship that went on would build each one up in the faith, causing each one to desire you more, to be hungry for you more, O God. Lord, you see what's going on in our nation, and you know the affairs of men. And Lord, we just ask and pray that you use what's preached here today to bring some understanding and some reality to what is taking place. Lord, we just ask that you be glorified. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1 makes clear that all of us on the entire planet have the same two original ancestors, Adam and Eve. We all, every human being on the planet, regardless of their ethnicity, comes from them. All of us. Acts chapter 17 declares that we are all one blood. We all, every human being on the planet, regardless of their ethnicity, comes from one blood. That is the teaching of Scripture. The Scripture reads, quote, He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, unquote. There's good people and bad people in all ethnicities. History proves this out. Life's experience proves this out. There are white people who hate black people, and there's black people who hate white people, and can go through all the ethnicities. There's plenty of different ones around the world who have hatred towards some other ethnicity. But my experience has been here in America is that most all white people get along fine with black people and most all black people get along fine with white people. That has been my experience in life. And I've lived in the inner city and I've lived in the suburbs. I've lived in both realms. And that's what brings me to those conclusions. I preach this sermon today because of the context in which our nation presently finds itself. This country's power institutions have long been taken over by leftist thought, thinking, and practice. And the leftists, through their mediums of media and academia, have been pushing a false narrative of late, a myth, a great lie. Namely, that white police officers are shooting black men just because they are black. I want to share some facts and statistics with you which reveal this is a myth that is a lie, what they're propagating. You know me, I actually research things. When all this COVID stupidity came out, I was one of the first ones decrying all the fear, hysteria, and tyranny by the government and media that was being promulgated everywhere. I was attacked vociferously by many Christians, removed off numerous Facebook Christian groups, simply for telling people the truth, which they all now know, except there's a few local insane people still walking around with masks on, I had pastors demand that I publicly repent because I didn't love elderly people. (laughs) Out of all the attacks I endured for simply telling people the truth, what the facts bore out, not one of them has ever come back to apologize. Not one minister and only one Christian. My hope is that they learned something. I didn't expect anybody to come back, frankly. (laughs) But I hope they learned something. And so in this situation, I present to you facts, reality, research. And I submit to you that this is a false narrative that is being promulgated by leftists throughout America and has been for years now. I will make the studies available, which I reference in this sermon, in the description of the sermon, so you can study the studies yourself. I know... Like, almost nobody will do that. Because I learned a long time ago, most people don't study anything. They don't look into anything. 
They don't try to understand and see what's fact and what's fiction. And there's a little, little thing called the eyeball test. I read this when the COVID thing was going on. I read this one epidemiologist expert guy. He's debunking all the COVID-19 stuff early on. And I remember he said, after he went through all his scientific stuff, he says, and then we have what we call the eyeball test. <laughs> Just look around you. Is that the reality you see, what they're presenting to you? The first I want to begin with is by stating the statistics. I want to state the statistics from a study by professors at the University of Michigan and the University of Maryland, which was published just this past August in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which reveals that white officers are no more likely than black or Hispanic officers to shoot black civilians. The study revealed and shows by the facts that white officers are no more likely than black or Hispanic officers to shoot black civilians. A 2015 Justice Department study of the Philadelphia Police Department, which if you've ever been there is about as liberal and leftist as you can possibly get, it's a horrible city, found that black officers were 67% more likely than white officers to mistakenly shoot an unarmed black suspect. Hispanic officers were 145% more likely than white officers to mistakenly shoot an unarmed black suspect. From FBI data, nearly twice as many white men are killed by police each year than black men. Nearly twice as many. About 500 to 250, it varies around, all that kind of stuff. So that means, however, given the population in America of whites and blacks, more blacks are killed by police per capita. Black people make up about 13 to 15% of the population, far less than white people, so even though twice as many white people are killed, more black people per capita are killed by police each year. And when I say police, I'm not just talking about white police. I'm talking about police. Black police officers killing them, Asian police officers, Hispanic police officers killing them. But why is this? Why is there this disparity then between the number of whites and the number of blacks killed? It's not a really huge disparity, but there's some. You have to look at the fact that police have far more contact with black people because they commit far more crime per capita. According to 2016 FBI data, black men commit murder 572% more than white men, rapes at a level of 146% greater, Robbery at 617% greater, aggravated assault at 203% greater, and violent crime in total at 263% greater. The statistics reveal it is a racial group's rate of violent crime that determines police shootings, not the race of the officer. That's what you have to understand. Police have far more contact with young black men than they do any other demographic in relationships to their jobs. The more frequently officers encounter violent suspects from any given racial group, the greater the chance that members of that racial group will be shot by a police officer. In fact, if there is a bias in police shootings after crime rates are taken into account, it's actually against white civilians. I've endured police brutality on a number of occasions, both as a non-Christian and as a Christian. And you all know what I had to say about police for years. And it isn't positive. Studies from Washington State University found that white officers were less likely to shoot unarmed black people than they were whites or Hispanics because of all the media social conditioning. They're fearful of it that they'll end up in a mess. They actually hold off shooting longer. 
Harvard University professor Roland Fryer conducted a study of over 1,000 fatal police shootings and found there was zero evidence of racial bias. The Washington Post, using FBI crime statistics, concluded that 12% of all white and Hispanic homicide victims are killed by police, while only 4% of all black homicide victims are killed by police. There are far more black people killed by homicide than there are white or Hispanics. That's why 12% of white and Hispanics are killed by police. Homicide victims are killed by police. Only 4% of blacks are killed by police regarding homicide. Why is that? What does that tell you? Well, the facts tell us the vast majority of black people are killed by other black people. That is a statistical fact also, not police. Blacks die of homicide at eight times the rate of non-Hispanic whites, overwhelmingly killed not by cops, not by whites, but by other black people. And that's why 12% of all white and Hispanic homicide victims are killed by police, while only 4% of all black homicide victims are killed by police. Here's a statistic for you. A police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an armed black male is to be killed by a police officer. Police officers 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an armed black male is to be killed by a police officer. So this is a great myth, an evil lie. Black people are being shot by white police officers just because they're black. The statistic tells a far different story than the narrative being played by the media and Black Lives Matter. This isn't to suggest that there are not white officers that are racist toward black people. There are. Nor is it to suggest that there's not black officers that are racist towards white people. There are. You have, as I said before, good and bad in all ethnicities. People in every ethnicity who hate other people, but by and large, most are not that way. What's being played out in front of the TV and across the nation is a very select group, small group of people compared to the population at large regarding black people and white people. A lot of the violence that's been being done has been perpetrated and done by white people in these riots and these lootings. Just watch the video footage. I have. I remember when I was in Cleveland one time, and it was all black officers, and they came up to me, and we were out there speaking up for the preborn, and they made it perfectly clear to me that I was to leave. And what are you thinking being in our neighborhood? And then they had about ten guys who were ready to beat us up, Tough-looking dudes. And then he leaned in at me, the officer did, and said, you should leave like I told you, or you might get hurt. It goes both ways. It's human nature. It's human nature. That's why we call men to repentance of sin and faith in Christ. Because we all have human nature. We all sin, and we are all in need of Jesus. And he's the only one who brings healing. The leftists want to divide this nation. They want to destroy this nation. And the greatest weapon we have to wield against them is the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christianity fleshed out in our lives and in our families' lives. They are ultimately at war with Christ. They are ultimately at war with Christianity. They despise his rule. And so we as his ambassadors must make his law, word, and gospel known to men. The persistent belief that we are living through an epidemic of racially biased police shootings is a creation of selective reporting by the media. Remember my sermon back in October of 2017? I said they're aiming to create a race war in this nation. I said that two and a half years ago. Look where we're at today. I saw what they're doing in the media, 
And I saw what they were doing at the universities because I go there to minister. The things said against white people there are horrific. The hatred for white people at the university is massive. The self-hate, the white guilt is despicable. All based on a lie. And the media foments it. In 2015, the year that the PNAS study, which I addressed at the very beginning, the white victims of fatal police shootings included a 50-year-old suspect in a domestic assault in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, who ran at the officer with a spoon. A 28-year-old driver in Des Moines, Iowa, who exited his car and walked quickly toward the officer after a car chase. Unarmed. Shot dead. And a 21-year-old suspect in a grocery store robbery in Akron, Ohio, who had escaped on a bike and who did not remove his hand from his waistband when ordered to do so. Had any of these victims been black, the media and activists would probably have jumped on their stories and added their names to the roster of victims of police racism. Instead, they are white. They are unknown. I remember here when there was trouble a couple years ago, a few years ago, because an officer shot a black man and they rioted. This was national news. And as soon as they found out the officer that shot him was a black officer, it was out of the media. Gone. Why? It didn't fit their narrative. Exactly. It's despicable to watch. Remember the guy crawling in the hallway? We all saw that video footage, right? In Arizona, back in 2017, two and a half years ago, white guy crawling. He was drunk. The cops shot him dead. Everyone knows that was murder. Plain and simple. It was evil. It was despicable. That officer didn't even get charged with murder. He was only removed from the police force. By the way, from 2005 to 2018, 84 police officers. From 2005 to 2018, 84 police officers have been charged with either murder or manslaughter. 32 were convicted. 40 were not. Remember the woman in Minneapolis, the white woman killed by the black officer two years ago? Did you see that spread everywhere by the media? No, you did not. Did you see the place burned to the ground, Minneapolis I'm talking about? You did not. It was cold-blooded murder. He actually pulled his gun out and shot in front of his partner's face to kill the woman who had called the police for help. That's who he murdered, the person who actually called the police for help. You should always think twice when you want to call the police. You should think twice when you want to call the police because you're having trouble with some family member. You might be helping their demise. He got 12 and a half years. 12 and a half years for what he did. Officers of all ethnicities have been tried and found not guilty, including white officers. Officers of all ethnicities have been tried and found guilty, including white officers. I submit to you that the bar is high to get an officer charged with anything to begin with. And that's reform that I've talked about for years. They have these little citizen groups in every city, including here in Milwaukee, where you can go and complain about an officer. They do nothing about it, and they let bad cops continue on. The guy who killed George Floyd, that cop, 18 write-ups? Wow. think you might have been able to cut that off at the pass, right? And don't get me wrong, he still deserves a day in court where all the facts are brought out. All people have found themselves in this situation of all races, where they've been brutalized by police officers or families have dead loved ones. It's not just black people, as the media wants you to believe, because they're leftist and they have a narrative 
that they want to foist upon the American people, and you're a dope if you don't see it for what it is. The media plays people. They have long made evil look good and good look evil. Right? Yeah. They can make wicked men look like wonderful people while they destroy the reputation of good men. They can make things appear other than what they are. And I could give you a 100,000 examples of that where people's lives are devastated because of the media and how they play things. And most people are so stupid, they don't do any research themselves and just believe what is fed to them by a leftist, dishonest media. Here's something you should look up. Have you heard of deep fakes? Yeah, go to Forbes magazine. They just did an article on it, I think, a couple weeks ago. This has been talked about for the last couple years now. In deep fakes, they have the technology ability, they're using it for commercials already, where they can take you, you, any of you, or create any one out of thin air, a person who doesn't even exist, and make you say and do anything, and it looks totally real and legit. If ever you need to have discernment, brothers and sisters, it's our day. We live in the information age. You don't just believe whatever comes across your path from the left or the right, from a Christian or a non-Christian. You better study it yourself, look into it, have some discernment. Massively important to do. So look that up, deep fakes. When I preached my sermon, Racism, Leftist Thought, and the Christian Response, less than three years ago, I said the media is trying to foment a race war in this nation, aided and abetted by the universities. And now we see what we have going on. This is all part of a larger picture to destabilize the nation. That's what the leftists want. COVID was part of it. This is part of it. The nonsense and filth and evil they've been teaching in the universities for years and decades is part of it. You cannot, and please understand me on this, I grew up amongst leftists. Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, a hotbed of leftist thought, thinking, and practice. You cannot appease leftists, ever. If you think you can, you're a fool. And they'll play you for a fool. You cannot appease them. You cannot appease thugs and tyrants. You must confront them. When I saw the Minneapolis mayor, little waif of a male that he was, or is, before the mob, if you go to my Facebook wall, I posted it there. Thousands of people, little mayor dope with his little mask on, he's a leftist too, talking to all the leftists, and they wanted him to just say yes or no, you'll get rid of the police department. And when he said, no, I won't just get rid of him after he tried to explain about reforming the police department, the mob erupted. I felt like I was back on the streets of France during the French Revolution. There, are, there is no video footage of that, but there's many vignettes, first-hand accounts of what it was like, the bloodshed, the butchery, the evil that went on in the French Revolution. As bad as a magistrate can be a tyrant, a mob can be a far worse tyrant. Far worse tyrant. I encourage all of you to read about the French Revolution, if you haven't. I did deep study in it 30-some years ago. I'm old as a box of rocks now. I went back and started looking things up. Some things never change, and there's always been these people who want, they want to start with man as the center rather than God. And that's a bad, that's a mistake right there. And they always want this communistic lifestyle. You can go back to Shishka the One-Eyed and the Hussites. There was a faction that broke off from them that wanted communism. 
And the Hussites ended up fighting each other over that. You can go to the Jacobins, you know, during the French Revolution. They wanted to do that. You can go to the Levelers during the English Civil War of the 1600s. They wanted communism. They wanted this equality. It's always sold under the guise of equality. A phantom that they create that can never be grasped. Life is what it is. They use equality, fairness, justice as buzzwords for their evil, for their tyranny, for the leftist hellhole that they want to create in our nation. Look what they've done in Seattle, right? I told all my kids, once they had taken the six-block area, I said, they're all sitting there now saying, now what do we do? You know why they're saying that? Because the only thing they know what to do is to destroy everything. That's what leftists know. That's what anarchists... We can destroy anything. That's what they do. But to build something? The Minneapolis Common Council votes to get rid of the police department. Did you see that they have no plan? What to do without the police department? I want to see the plan. There isn't one. There is no plan. Committees of public safety, one of them said. That is the same term they used in the French Revolution. You know, the bloody French Revolution where they all end up turning on each other and killing each other. Robespierre lost his head. Thomas Paine escaped barely with his head. Dope that he was. Thomas Jefferson left in 1789 just in time, got out of France. You know what Jefferson didn't realize and Payne didn't realize when they went over there to help the French Revolution? You know what they didn't realize? That the difference between that revolution and the American Revolution was the pulpits. Christianity made the difference. They were eschewing Christianity, eschewing everything about it, and it turned into a bloodbath. Whereas the American revolutionists did something far different. When I hear leftists talk about how America was started the same way we're starting our revolution, burning down the whole city, destroying everything, like someone was shot in Atlanta yesterday, yeah, so burn down Wendy's, right? That makes sense. It's just lawless behavior. And they compare that type of behavior to what? to the Boston Tea Party. The Boston Tea Party was one act very targeted towards something specifically that would make a political point, right? Did they burn the boat down? No, did they? They threw the tea over the side because of the tax, right? To compare the two is disturbing to me. And yet, America's young people, dumb as they are, think, yeah, that's right. I want to be a part of this. And it's sickening to watch. You might be thinking they're putting something in the water. First COVID, now racism, you know, masks, distancing, etc. All the myth, fiction, and lie. Not that there wasn't a virus, but they were making a molehill into a mountain. And now this myth, this fiction, this lie. And it's the media... It's not anything in the water. It's the media and government officials that are propagating the myth, the fiction, the lies. Something is at work here bigger than we know. But I've been living long enough to know something big is going on. I do know they are destabilizing the country. They have since Donald Trump took office. Why they hate him so badly, I have no idea. He gives them most of what they want and they're left this little hellhole to begin with. But that goes back to the fact that you can never appease a leftist. Ever. 
This myth that white police officers are shooting black men because we have systemic racism in America is a leftist attempt to use race and racism as a means to divide the country, destroy the country, and move us further into the statist hell that our country already is. And you must act against it by staying true to Christ, showing love to your neighbors. Educating your children in the midst of this is massively important. Turn off the dopey movies. Turn off the little buzz games. Sit down, talk about history. This is important. Because the nature of man doesn't change, and everything that's happening before your eyes now has happened in the past. And America is breaking up. I've talked about this for years. For over 10 years I've talked about this, that America will break apart. Why? We're in rebellion against God. We're an evil people. The state can never bring people together under the banner of diversity. The only one who can bring people of diverse tribes, tongues, and nations together is Jesus. Period. So you must stand against it. It is a great evil. People have no idea what's coming. It's not going to matter whether Trump wins or loses in November. There is going to be chaos in this country. They've been teaching people that there is systemic racism in America, that white people are all inherently racist, full of privilege, and they'll come right up to you on campus and tell you that. Stand right there and point in my face and say, you're an old, privileged white man. White people tell me that. Black people tell me that on the campus. And I take them to task. And by the time I'm done with them, because I don't treat them with kid gloves, I treat them with truth. When I walk away, they follow me around like little puppy dogs. Because you know why? I'm the first one who didn't agree with everything they think. Because everybody aids and abets it, including the stupid Christians. Aid and abet this bogus thinking. It needs to be taken to task. It needs to be shown to be the lie that it is. And that is one of our duties as Christian people, to tell the truth. They teach that all black people are victims. They manipulate white guilt. They teach at the universities when you get there, they try to acclimate you, social engineer you into accepting the fact that sodomy is okay, that it's normal, that it's something that should not bother you. And you're messed up if you think it's weird or perverse, even though everything within you knows it's weird and perverse, and the Word of God declares it's weird and perverse. It's a crime, plain and simple. So they teach you that, and I've watched so many Christians who've gone to college suddenly be cool with it. We're cool. We can live in peaceful coexistence. You can't. That type of sexual depravity, all the sexual depravity, the adultery, all the other evil that's going on in this country, sexual depravity, no. It destroys nations. Read history. I have libertarian friends who even understand that better than the Christians. You know? You have the libertarians who are for limited government and decency, and then you have the libertarians who are for statism and debauchery. The other thing they teach you is systemic, pardon me, critical race theory. They teach you critical race theory, intersectionality, social justice thinking. These are just things you have to take to acclimate yourself to being here at our university which is all about the fact that if you're white, you're a racist dog. And if you're black, you're an awful poor little victim. And it's all a lie, and it's all bad for everybody. you got white people walking around acting like dopes. I'm so sorry for my racism. Then you have black people, I'm a victim, and they think they can never amount to anything. Everybody knows that everybody, regardless of their ethnicity, suffers wrongs throughout their life. You move forward. You do what's right. I saw a great video by Denzel Washington talking about family being men. Morgan Freeman. Some other guy who's just like some rapper. You know me. I'm old. I don't know these guys. 
He's saying good stuff. I'm just like, you know what? None of them get the national spotlight from this media. None of those black men do. Not one. Who gets it is the one who fills the narrative. I've been mistreated all my life. We have to change the whole world for me. I learned what the media was like years ago. Me and my wife, we haven't had health insurance all our lives except one year. 39 years of marriage. One year. And when they pushed Obama's health care thing, I put out a press release to over 250 media outlets letting them know, we have a family with 11 kids. We haven't had health insurance but one year. At that time, it had been like 29 years. And I said, and we don't want any help from the government. And you know how many responses I got? One, WVCY. (laughs) They're not interested in me. They were looking for all the little crybaby dopes who want to make excuses why they didn't make it. Uh, I can't afford the health care. I need help. I need the government. How Are you insane? That's the last place you want to look to help for. Read history. Leftists have been funding evangelical organizations, ministries, and seminaries, and certain churches for over 15 years now. The evangelicals now aid and abet leftist thought and agenda. Joel Osteen, fake and fraud that he is, was down there marching in Houston with the Black Lives Matter people. Here's what my leftist friends refer to him as, a useful idiot. And what they mean by that is, he's useful for our ends. And he's too stupid to know what our ends are. And that is an actual term that they use regularly. A useful idiot. Rick Warren is a leftist. Remember the purpose-driven guy? The man's a heretic. He dispenses false teaching to those who lack discernment. He aids and abets leftists. He's funded by them. He misrepresents Christ and God's word. He states, quote, If one of us is denied justice, none of us can ignore it. If one of us isn't safe, none of us are safe, unquote. He's not talking about the pre-born here. He's never done anything for the pre-born, the most oppressed people group in America, the ones where there's actually law where it's legal to butcher them. No, he's just jumped on the bandwagon because he knows it's socially acceptable to be on this racism bandwagon. It's not socially acceptable to be on the pre-born bandwagon. You don't get liked and all your unsafe friends don't come up and say, I just love you. When you do something for the preborn, but you do the racist thing, oh, they love you. Are you stupid? You think this is a game? Read history. Your children's lives are at stake. The evil that they dispense is huge. It's all in writing. How many of you have ever read Marx? Look at that. Almost nobody. So they've been teaching critical race theory throughout evangelicalism, and they're aiding and abetting the leftists. The money they've put in is paid off because we already know the churchmen in America are whores. I know every time Matchwell says that, some are just so offended. They're more offended by the word whore than what the whore's doing, right? <laughs> Be offended by what the whore's doing, is what I say. So they gladly sell themselves out to this stuff. A friend of mine, Paul Dore, wrote this about the pietists in Christianity, and you all know what I think of pietism and the pietists. He said, pietists in the church, and then he has in parentheses, who disconnect God's word from application. Brilliant. Thank you, Paul. That 
American Christianity is such a disconnect between what Christianity teaches and application. He goes on and he says, Pietists in the church who disconnect God's word from application often can only confront gross public injustice with charity. It makes them feel warm. There certainly is a duty for our charitable good works, but not as the sole nor even significant response to injustice. Confrontation, then he has in parentheses, often sacrificial. Confrontation, biblically speaking, is required. The black community is being played by the Democrats to serve as their Marxist stormtroopers, and all dumb white Christians can say is, we need to repent of our racism. I read that to you because what he had to say was so good, so profound, so needed, and so succinct. You need to end your little silly narcissistic trip, your little pietistic, inward narcissistic trip, if you're a white Christian, and not buy into the narrative. If you're a black Christian, you need to assume responsibility for your life. And the vast, vast majority of black people do. I'm talking about the babies who are being played by the media. Take on responsibility. The state has done everything it can to destroy family in this country, both black and white. And the reason is because we live in a statist hellhole, and every statist knows that in order to strengthen the state, you have to weaken the family. And they've weakened it through policies, through laws, Did you know that before LBJ's Great Society? Isn't it funny how wicked people always come up with good terms, right? They call when Christianity was flourishing the Dark Ages. (laughs) And they call when they bring in all their dopey stuff, enlightenment. (laughs) You know? I do the exact opposite. The brighter ages, (laughs) the endarkenment. (laughs) You know? It's like, that's how I do it. So before LBJ brings his dopey little thing in, in 1965, 25% of black kids were in single-parent homes. Over 75% are in single-parent homes now. At that time, black uh, white people had a 4 to 5% rate of children being in single-parent homes. White families now are over 25%. You cannot sustain that. The state wants to destroy the family so that it can assume power over everyone. You have to be at war with these people. That's why I always tell my kids, never do anything to give the state an advantage over your life. Walk true to Christ. Do right by Him. Be ready to stand against them when that day comes. Stand against them now. Wouldn't it have been easier if people would have gathered when they were bringing in all these dopey policies and government education? Wouldn't it have been better to have gathered and stayed there? I've spent 30-some years trying to wake people up. They don't care. I remember when I was in jail for defending the preborn, and there was a black Muslim guy there. We bunked out next to each other. We talked for hours. There's not much else to do while you're in jail. Hours and hours. We were next to each other in a bunk for weeks. There wasn't one thing we agreed on <laughs> in our worldview except this. The one thing, and so that's what we ended up talking mostly about, was how he found most all black people to be totally indifferent to the ills of society, and I found all white people to be almost totally indifferent to the ills of society. And we both understood the importance of family being true to one woman, raising children, establishing a home. And so we talked about those things. And I enjoyed my conversations with him in those regards. You have to defend your homes. Black Lives Matter, I want to say this real quick. They are just a leftist group. They promote homosexuality, transgenderism. They are racist themselves. They're for abortion. They could care less. I haven't met one of them yet, black or white, in Black Lives Matters that is against 
the killing of the preborn. Not one. And I've been talking to him for years in my ministries, out on the streets. And they state it openly in their Facebook page. We support sodomy. We support transgenderism. We support abortion, freedom of reproductive rights. And then they say this. Here's what they say about homosexual and transgender. We foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. Yeah, you become the bad guy. Evil becomes good. And good becomes evil. You have no idea what a nightmare that is. I'm a student of history. You have no idea. When you have people who are dumb and think that they're right and don't listen to facts, you have no idea what that unleashes. They are capable of anything. Here's what they say about the family. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children. They're talking about all children. They use our children. It means your children, my children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Yeah, don't assume leadership as men, as God intended. Destroy fatherhood. They are at war with the family. They view that as their number one enemy after Christ and Christianity is the family. They despise it. They want to destroy it. Many of these people who hang out with these groups come from broken homes. Understand that. And that's why as Christian people, you must bring them the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't aid and abet them in their false thinking, but love them. Don't hate them. Love them. And the only way you can truly love your neighbor is if you love Christ first. Do you understand that? And true biblical love tells people the truth and it tells them the good news about Jesus. Share with them your testimony, how Jesus changed your life. I found that with any people works tremendously well because as much as they say, judge not lest you be judged, they're all judging you. They all have you stereotyped. When you share your testimony, they see, oh, he is a human being. (laughs) They have to step back. You must point them to Jesus. They demand reparations. They want to abolish police forces. On and on. I've lived long enough to remember it was President Clinton and the Democrats in the 90s that provided federal money so municipalities could hire 100,000 police officers, which if I remember right, turned into about 300,000. And they militarized every police department in America, allowing them to get all this military equipment, hundreds of millions of dollars. You wonder why these, where these police are getting all this stuff? The Democrats, Republicans continued it once it was set up. Reform is needed regarding the police situation. By the way, I want to say something. As I feel bad for policemen. Seriously, you might be like, shot Matt Chuella. Yeah, yeah, Matt Chuella. I feel bad for them. It's like the last job on the planet I would want to be doing right now. Ed, they're in an absolutely no-win situation. I feel bad for them on a personal level when I see what's going on. But I also understand that reform is needed. And from all the study I've done, the training needs to change. Number two, the psychological profiling that cities do needs to change. They don't look for the brightest and the best. They look for a certain profile. People who want that job usually already have control issues to begin with. And the third thing is they need to take seriously when you find a bad apple in your midst. And I understand there needs to be, you don't remove someone on an allegation, but you darn well better do an investigation. And you need to remove the bad apples before they hurt someone badly or kill someone. 
And there's plenty of them in there. I know. I've experienced it. I won a major lawsuit because I had to be treated at the hospital because of it. And the Lord delivered me out of four years in prison in the midst of all that. When I was in their city jail for the preborn, I would see how the police would mistreat people here in Milwaukee in the city jail. It didn't matter if it was a white person or a black person. It didn't matter if it was an Indian. They'd mistreat anybody. Anybody who caused them trouble. And I get that. There should be some repercussions for someone who caused you trouble, but they were doing awful stuff to them. Awful. And we put together a march back then for all people who were suffering at the hands of the police and marched in the, city, in the streets of Milwaukee. I have this thing that one guy pointed out. He said, so you say we need to deal with racism? Yes, I'm all for dealing with racism. Let's begin by ending, and then he gives this long list, affirmative action. Let's end racial quotas. Let's end forced integration. Let's end hate law enhanced sentences. Let's end mandatory racial promotions in the public and private sector over better qualified candidates. Unequal hiring of minorities for government jobs in larger percentages than their makeup of the community. Unearned bonus points on the SAT and job promotion exams. Privileged consideration for business loans. And numerous other things. All these things were put into practice in the late 60s, early 70s because of how black people were wrongly treated in this country under the Jim Crow laws for years. And that needed to change, and it did change, thanks be to God. These things were put in to give them a foot up so that they could catch up, is what was said. I lived through it all. I remember all their phrases. This, but other people like myself, a poor white kid in from the city, at a disadvantage. I could do better academically than a black person, but the black person gets the position or gets the government money to go to school rather than me. Now, of course, I've learned not to be a statist and I wouldn't ever want any of their money because <laughs> with the shekels come the shackles. But back then I was just this dopey kid, young you never hear them talk about all this, do you? Why does everybody want to come to America? Have you looked at what things are like in other countries? Why? Because they see a land of opportunity where people are treated decently. You can go to most of these third world countries, they are so embedded with their Attitudes, their little ethnicity fights they got going. And who's ever in the majority totally mistreats the other lesser group. Not here. This is a fiction that they've created. And again, that doesn't mean there isn't racist white people. There are. Doesn't mean there isn't racist black people. There are. There's racist Asians. <laughs> there's, a, there's racist Hispanics. <laughs> <laughs> but my experience in life and what I see is the vast majority of every ethnicity gets along with another ethnicity. That's been my experience. So we started this sermon out talking about Genesis chapter 1. We all have common ancestor, Adam and Eve. And Acts 17 makes clear that we're all of one blood. Amen? We should love all, each other. That's how my mom raised me. That's how my dad raised me. That you don't judge a person on the basis of their ethnicity. You judge them on the basis of their character. When Obama was running and I spoke out against him, I spoke out against him because he's a straight-up leftist dog. That's why I spoke out against him. And yet I had countless white people tell me, you're a racist. Didn't even want to talk about the issues. They could just dismiss you. 
you're a racist. That's some scary stuff there. Let's stand up and we'll close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you have redeemed us so that we know you. I ask and pray, O God, that we would live in obedience to you and to your word, that even as Christ taught, we would govern our lives that way, that we would do unto others as we would have them do unto us, that we would love our neighbor as ourself. Lord, I ask and pray that you grant discernment to people in the days ahead, that they would do a little study, read some history, do some research, understand when they're getting played. Lord, I ask and pray that we would understand these matters enough that we can talk about them with others who have a different view, who have been played. Lord, I ask and pray that you watch over each one here, that you keep them safe, and that you put within each of our hearts a deep hunger for you, O God, to draw close to you, Lord, may we remove any besetting sins in our lives. May we understand our days upon this earth are short and that we are to live them to bring glory to you and to enjoy you. May we do right by our homes as men and as women, O God. Lord, help our children to have hearts hungry for you, desirous to live for you. May we be true to you. In the days ahead, I pray. We thank and praise you, O God, for your goodness to us, and that while we were yet sinners, you loved us. While we walked around in our arrogance and pomp, we thank you that the consequence of sin beat us down so that we might see our guilt before you. That your Holy Spirit convicted us of sin, righteousness, and judgment so that we would turn to you, O God. Lord, I ask and pray that we follow after you all the days of our lives, that we make our lives count here in the earth with the short time you've given us. We cry out to you, O God, and we look to you for our nation. We've seen it coming, Lord. but it still hurts when it's here. I pray that we're true to you, O God, through it all. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get ready for communion. You could be seated, which you can feel free to take communion with us as long as you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, we ask that you not take communion because the Lord's table is only for believers. But you don't have to be a member of this church to partake at the Lord's table, but you do have to be a believer. And we observe his table every week, well, most every week that we gather, because it was the pattern laid out by the early church, and we follow in that pattern. And his table is so needed for us because of the fact that it reminds us of our sole approach to God is through Christ alone. Because there's only two elements at his table, the fruit of the vine representing his shed blood and the bread representing his body. These two elements and nothing else. Amen? These two elements and nothing else. Showing it's through Jesus plus nothing whereby God accepts us. And we need that because it's easy for us in all our religiosity to think it's Jesus plus something else. And it's not. It's Jesus plus nothing. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Amen. Praise his holy name. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in you and thank you 
for this time that we have at your table. I ask and pray, O God, that if any is among us and they do not know you, that they would come to know you. Father, I ask and pray for those of us who do know you, that this time at your table would be a time of reflection of just how great a salvation this is. That while we were yet your enemies, you loved us. Lord, we give thanks and praise to you for this covenant that we have with you through your Son, Jesus, and which is sealed, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of thy Son, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask and pray that you be glorified through our lives and that we would make this good news known to men in the days ahead, not hiding it under a bushel. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise His holy name. Let's stand up and we'll close in a word of prayer. Praise Your holy name, O God. We give thanks, we give praise to You, O Lord, for Your goodness to us. May we go forth from this place now, O God, desirous to live for you. May each man be a priest to his home and open your word, open your word to his wife and to his children. May they speak about the things of you. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. All praise to you, O God. Praise your name, O God. Father, we ask that you put a great hunger in our hearts for you, to pursue you, to read your word, and to read what other good brothers have written of you. Be glorified through our lives, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May Christ be praised. God bless you.